Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To all my bed crimers, a happy Sunday. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching the video, if you find you enjoyed it or learned something, do me a favor, smash the like button. It's a free way you can help me. Now, let's get started. Slane University of Idaho students, Zana Cornado, Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan, and Kaylee Gonzalez have only been gone for about four-plus months as their families and friends continue grieve and process their losses and the horror of it all. The suspect in the case, Brian Koberger, sits in an isolated jail cell awaiting his preliminary hearing in June. Reports out of the jail say he remains confident that he'll be exonerated. Is that the narcissist in him talking? Perhaps Koberger's feeling his oats because of all the love letters he's supposedly receiving from admirers. But he is presumed innocent until he either confesses, takes a plea deal, or a jury of 12 says otherwise. Of course, the DNA on the leather sheath tying Koberger to the crime scene is a big deal. But will the jurors believe that evidence? What's clear from a recent article in the Idaho Statesman newspaper is that the brutal crime has hurt more than the families, the friends, and the communities of Moscow, Idaho, and Pullman, Washington. The article states that many living in Monroe County, Pennsylvania, are feeling a sense of shame as a result of what went down on November 13th of 2022 at 11:22 King Road. In a recent article, the statesman describes this scene. The Pleasant Valley School District's two-story campus in Broadheadsville, Pennsylvania, where Brian Koberger attended school and later worked as a security guard, has a quote displayed in celebration of Martin Luther King Jr. Day that's still on the district's message board. It reads, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. The article points out that four college campuses have had their names drawn into the tragedy. You've got the University of Idaho, Washington State University, DeSales University, and Northampton Community College. The principal of Pleasant Valley High School, where Koberger graduated in 2013, told the Idaho statesman this, For the community here, it's devastating. Out of all the schools, out of all the areas, why? It's disappointing. And I don't know if we'll ever find out why. End quote. I have to say that hearing about the alleged bullying that Brian Koberger suffered at the middle and high schools in that community, I think we all have at least one clue as to why he allegedly did what he did. I'm not on Team Koberger, but if the bullying he endured there is the childhood trauma that drove him to the dark side and to psychopathy, then the school district needs to admit it and see what it can do better. Some of the Koberger's neighbors in Effort, Pennsylvania, where Brian grew up, also spoke to the newspaper, and they said they were astounded 
to hear his name associated with this disturbing crime. The article says, and I quote, For years, their children took the same route to school from the same corner bus stop. Him. They remember the quiet, heavy-set boy who was picked on over his weight. He sat up front and mostly kept to himself, end quote. Many adults knew this kid was being ostracized, and not embraced. Isn't it possible that if the parents and the school got together and tried to come up with programs to teach kids to be kinder, to be more inclusive, to help the kids who find themselves rejected, things like this might be avoided? I don't believe Brian Koberger, if he is the perpetrator, was born with a cold, black heart. I think his experiences with other human beings alienated him. And it's also possible he might suffer from a genetic tendency to have mental health issues. So there might be a combination of things going on there. Another nearby homeowner and a mother to one of Koberger's classmates, a female, said this about Brian. No bells went off. It makes me sick in my stomach. You never know. You just never know. End quote. I don't want to blame all these neighbors for who Koberger turned out to be, but maybe we should all learn to have bells go off when we witness a child being shunned, sitting alone on the bus, being mocked for his or her weight, maybe not allowed on the football team because that kid can't run fast enough. Instead of saying, kids will be kids and they need to work it out amongst themselves, maybe we should figure out ways to help the isolated kid and to teach the other kids to open their hearts to him and to see whatever gifts that other child has. But enough of my land of wishes. Let's get back to the reality. It turns out his hometown has a serious drug abuse problem. The article said the region has one of the highest rates of OD deaths in one of the worst-hit states in the U.S.'s opioid epidemic. Some of Koberger's former circle of friends during high school spoke to the newspaper and described finding the crime and Koberger's involvement jarring and difficult to understand, even knowing that Brian had an unpleasant side to him. 27-year-old Thomas Arntz said this, It's hard to put into words. I just, it was the initial shock of hearing what he had been accused of. My first thought was, where's he now? Are my parents safe? Because you couldn't process it all at once, end quote. Arntz remembered Koberger as being similar to himself when they met in their early teens. He said they were both awkward and fairly reserved. Arntz explained that during hangouts after school and on the weekends, he and Brian bonded over video games and wandering the wooded neighborhood. He said he came to appreciate Koberger's sense of humor wit, and ability to observe. But Thomas Arntz hasn't spoken to Brian in about eight years, and that's because he cut ties with him when his personality grew increasingly grating and mean. 
Arntz described Koberger playing mind games with him, and he shared an example. He said there was a day when he was upset because his aunt had just died, and he made it clear to Brian that he wasn't in the mood, but Brian refused to relent with what Arntz called psychological mistreatment. Arntz said, and I quote, He always wanted to be dominant physically and intellectually. He had to show that he was smarter and bigger than you and to try to put me down and make me feel insecure about myself. So much of that was a torment, and I didn't want to be around him anymore. I think when someone has been bullied and they reach a point of physical strength or height over others, they can go one of two ways. They either say to themselves, no, I'm not going to do that to anyone else, or they take out their anger at having been bullied by being aggressive to others even if they're bullying their friends and not the people responsible for the bullying in the first place. Per the article by High School, Koberger was saying he was interested in pursuing law enforcement as a career. In fact, his sophomore yearbook features a photo of him dressed in a uniform and in the middle of doing a push-up during his law enforcement class at the county's half-day technical school. Koberger also once dreamed of becoming an Army Ranger. The half-day technical program was designed to help steer students toward becoming police officers, firefighters, EMTs. So it sounds like it was a way to get Koberger out of the high school corridors where trouble lurked for him. Koberger's guidance counselor through most of high school, a lady named Donna Yazwiak said that Koberger's parents, who were also working for the school district, were active in attending meetings to help steer their son. Yazwiak told the newspaper, I recall no problems. He was a regular kid, and thankfully his parents were involved in his education. I don't recall anything that was out of the ordinary. End quote. You'd think Koberger's guidance counselor would have been aware of him being bullied, and also of him then bullying others. Aren't guidance counselors really supposed to be aware of what's going on out in the hallways, on the buses, out on the school grounds? Koberger's high school principal said that he made efforts to get to know students, but he only vaguely remembered Brian. The principal explained this away by saying that Koberger was enrolled half the day in the off-campus technical school and that he wasn't involved in after-school activities. The one thing many people do recall about Koberger is his dramatic weight loss which took place between his junior and senior years. Per Thomas Arntz, Koberger began kickboxing every day after school and running in the evenings with a friend. Another friend in Koberger's inner circle said that Brian also became hyper-focused on what he ate, to the point that he developed an eating disorder that got so out of control that he had to be hospitalized. Thomas estimated that Koberger once weighed more than 300 pounds, and the amount he lost was as much as half his body mass. The weight loss was so rapid that Koberger had to have a tummy tuck surgery because of all the excess skin. First, it's a huge achievement to lose that kind of weight. But having a radical surgery like that 
a tummy tuck in high school? That's a lot. Per Ernst, as Brian's body underwent this major transformation, so did his personality. He became more aggressive. Ernst said this in a quote, It almost seemed to me he had a desire to be the alpha. For no reason, he'd try to grab me and put me in headlocks when I didn't want to. He tried to portray it as just boys being boys, but that's not the way I ever took it. Years later, after Ernst enlisted in the U.S. Army and was deployed overseas, Koberger sent him a Facebook message offering his congratulations. In the message, Koberger apologized for how he'd treated Ernst when they were younger, but Ernst didn't respond. In his junior year, Koberger switched from focusing on law enforcement to learning about heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. That was the type of work his father, Michael, did as a maintenance person for the school district. In his senior year, Koberger transitioned out of the half-day technical school and earned his high school diploma through the school's online program. It sounds like Koberger's drug addiction occurred toward the end of his high school years and then continued past them. Per his former friends, Koberger went from smoking pot to a full-blown addiction to heroin. Tanya Carmela Beers, who was a technical school administrator when Koberger was there, oversaw student discipline and mental health. She remembered Koberger, and she acknowledged that her interactions with him would have fallen within that scope. However, she declined to answer further questions about him, citing protection of such information under the Federal Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. But she spoke generally about the circumstances that could force a student to change their focus within the program. Here's what she told the Idaho Statesman, and I quote, Sometimes, depending on the disciplinary offense and any issues surrounding it, it may not be the student's choice to be removed from a program, particularly a program that might have many rules and regulations in place. She noted that the law enforcement program barred certain behaviors. She also stated this, In general, a student can be very strong academically and perform very well in clinical work, but one or more infractions would take the opportunity to participate in that program away. End quote. 29-year-old Casey Arntz, Thomas's older sister, was also among Koberger's circle of friends. Casey said that as an upperclassman, Koberger began spending time with another group of high school kids with whom she and her friends didn't really get along. Casey said, and I quote, Honestly, I feel he was looking for validation, and that's why he fell into that crowd. And honestly, it's why he fell into the whole drug scene, end quote. Jeremy Saba was a neighbor who lived two houses down from Koberger's childhood home, and he was part of the group that introduced Brian to heroin. Saba and Koberger can be seen together in a photo 
that Saba posted on Facebook in August of 2016, four months after he, Saba, was arrested and charged with a DUI and misdemeanor possession of drug paraphernalia. He later pleaded guilty to both charges, according to Pennsylvania court records. Jack Bayless, Koberger's other buddy, said this about Jeremy Saba. I didn't like him personally because he got my boy into heroin. I think drugs goofed him pretty bad. He was having a time. He'd tell me, I'm clean now. I'm totally clean now. And he'd have bleeding track marks on his arm. Saba was arrested again in September of 2018 for misdemeanor possession of a controlled substance. He pleaded guilty and received a year of probation. In March of 2021, he died at the age of 27 of an accidental OD. Another of Koberger's high school friends, a girl named Ashley Flugel, also faced drug charges after high school, including a felony count of intent to distribute a controlled substance. In May of 2018, she also died of an accidental OD. My God, talk about trauma and nightmares. That's a lot to deal with. No wonder Brian Koberger has issues. I'm not saying that to give him a free pass or to justify what he did. No, but it makes it more understandable why Brian Koberger's father, Michael, asked some of his son's new neighbors in Pullman, Washington, to befriend him. Koberger's parents must have been walking on eggshells for years. Their greatest worry was likely that he would relapse. It probably never crossed their minds that he would go on to allegedly harm four human beings in such a horrific manner. Casey Arntz also told the statesman that Koberger frequently invited her to smoke pot with him, and in March of 2013, Koberger let her know that he finished his online school requirements early and was looking forward to college in August. Per Casey, about two months later, Brian contacted her to ask for a ride after he said his car had broken down. She agreed. Weeks later, she found out that Brian's errand that day had been to buy heroin and needles. Casey told the statesman that when she learned about this, she was freaking out and not happy that she'd had drugs in her car and not known about it at the time. She sent Brian a message that May, scolding him for putting her in that situation, and Koberger wrote back with three words, I'm in rehab. Three weeks later, he offered her an apology, which she rebuffed. Shortly after high school, in January of 2014, Koberger reached out once again to Casey to ask how college was going. She told him she was stressed out over school projects, and he wrote back to her and said this, Be proud you're making something of yourself. I'm not. Ha ha. End quote. He told her that he'd withdrawn from college because he had to go to rehab and added, life after was dull, 
end quote. I'm guessing he's saying life after heroin was dull? I'm not sure. The Idaho Statesman reporter then visited a local bar at Lynn's Motel in Effort, Pennsylvania, near the Koberger family home. Next door to the bar is a pizzeria, and a guy named Rich Pasqua, who attended the same high school as Koberger but was a few years older, told Fox News and the New York Times last month that Koberger worked at the pizzeria in 2013 and 2014 when it was called New York Pizza Girl. 31-year-old Pasqua now works at a drug rehab clinic in the area, and he said that he and Koberger used to do heroin together. Pasqua also stated this about Brian. He didn't have many friends, so he would do anything to fit in. He was a big heroin addict, and so was I. I work in treatment and everything, but back then I was using, and so that's how I know for a fact he was using. I got high with him a couple of times. End quote. Another guy named Charles Conklin, who owns the building the pizzeria occupied, as well as a neighboring fish hatchery with a stocked lake where people paid a fish for trout and bass, said that Koberger briefly worked at the hatchery in the summer of 2011, and he would clean the customers' fish for them. However, Koberger didn't last long at that job because, per Conklin, he didn't show himself to be very personable with customers, and he also wasn't improving at filleting the fish. Conklin eventually let Koberger go. Conklin said this, You've got to do a good job on your cuts. You have to be friendly to people. At least try to make some eye contact. It just wasn't his thing. End quote. There's some irony in that statement about the cuts and the filleting of the fish. The Statesman article also said this, Within an hour of Koberger's arrest in December, Conklin said he got a call from a former longtime employee who reminded him of the high school kid they fired more than a decade ago. The revelation floored him. He said, and I quote, There aren't words to describe how disturbing it was. We're a small area, small community, so for things like that to happen, shocking, totally shocking. I know this is shocking for anyone, and for him to be from this area and actually worked here, it's almost unbelievable, end quote. Several years after they last spoke, Koberger's friend Jack Bayliss said he and Koberger reconnected on Facebook and over the phone. Koberger would call him to talk every week or so, and Brian told him he no longer used drugs when the subject came up. At some point, he said, don't ever bring it up again, we're past that. In May of 2018, Koberger told Bayliss in messages on Facebook that he hadn't used drugs in two years, according to screenshots that Bayliss shared with the New York Times. Koberger also said, and I quote, I only used when I was in a deep, 
blank state. The word that belongs in the blank means an unaliving state. Koberger went on to write this, I have since really learned a lot. Not a person alive could convince me to use it, end quote. Casey Ernst said that she ran into Koberger a year before that at a mutual friend's wedding, which was the last time she saw him. He appeared to have pulled his life together, she said, and shared that he was in college and working as a security officer for the Pleasant Valley School District. Arntz stated, and I quote, it was so good to see someone come back from that dark place, end quote. She told the statesman that she gave Koberger a big hug when she greeted him. He was kind of very standoffish and not very sociable. I believe he left early as well, end quote. Koberger started with the school district in 2016 as a fill-in custodian and courier before moving into security part-time, according to documents the statesman obtained through a public records request. He was later credited in December 2018 with helping save the life of an employee at the school after a medical emergency. The Pocono Record reported, Koberger resigned from his position in June of 2021. All I can say is that Brian Koberger lived a lot during those middle and high school years and years post-high school. It's painful to read about him having to have a tummy tuck, having to be hospitalized because of an eating disorder. I feel for the Brian Koberger who existed before he turned into the bully and an alleged blank. I feel for his parents having to navigate a troubled child without a guidebook. I feel for his siblings, too, who are likely horrified and traumatized by all of this as well. But of course, I feel most sorry for the slain students, Kaylee, Ethan, Zanna, and Madison, who experienced hell on earth, and for their families who continue to experience that same thing. This whole story is one horrific tale from every single angle. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories, if you learned anything here, if you enjoyed this, if you enjoyed your time with me, please smash that like button, subscribe to my channel, leave me a comment, consider a membership or a Patreon, and I'll see you next time.